All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Oilers Nation Radio, episode 106. I am Bagged Milk. I'm here with Tyler Remchuk, Rick, and Nation Dan. We are going to break down everything you need to know about the Edmonton Oilers and life in general. First, I want to thank our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant for making it possible out in Sherwood Park, Alberta. Follow them on Twitter at Sherwood Ford, on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giants. Now is the time to winterize your vehicle. If you need new tires, if you need some service, if you need an oil change, whatever, maybe just a new whip entirely heading into the winter. Go check out our friends at Sherwood Ford. They are in Sherwood Park. They would be happy to help you with whatever your vehicle needs are. And as we always do with the podcast, my friend Tyler Uremchuk is going to take it away with this week's Sherwood Ford Giant Question of the Week. Thank you, Mr. Bag Milk. Happy to be here again on a lovely Friday. Uh, this week's Sherwood Ford Giant Question of the Week <laughs> is centered around, well, he, I think he's been the man for the last couple of days here. Everyone wants to talk about the Nuge and what his next extension could look like. Yes, Bag Milk rocking his Keep Nuge Forever shirt is beautiful, and you look beautiful in it. The question this week, what is the most you would pay Ryan Nugent Hopkins per year on a long-term deal? Whatever he wants. The rest of the cap. Give him it all. Makes sense, right? Fair enough. No, but seriously, <laughs> it's, uh, it's going to be a really interesting one for the Oilers and for Nuge as well because I don't know if you know this, Tyler, but things are kind of fucked up in the world right now, and that means a flat bit. salary cap for the NHL, which makes an extension on a guy like Nudes a little trickier than it was probably six months ago. Uh, over at The Nation yesterday, Gregor wrote an article kind of looking at some of the comparables of what people signed for when they had similar to stats to Nuge and significantly higher probably than what some people would be willing to pay him. Um, that said, I think... For a real answer, if you could get something with a six in front of it, that you'd probably be doing okay. Would he look at maybe doing something like a William Nylander, the six nine nice contract for over eight years? Maybe I don't know. Is that too high? Gregor's looking at six five. Brownlee's got an article saying six two five because of circumstances. Obviously, you merit probably a bigger raise than that in normal times, but these are not normal times. But gentlemen, what say you, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, New Deal? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm okay if he's in the seven range. And I wouldn't go any, like my outer marker, I think, is 7.25. Because I think Nugent Hopkins is going to come to the table here and ask for seven and a half. I could see the Oilers throwing out some comparables and say, listen, we think you're closer to the six and a half range. I think they could meet at $7 million. 
And because he's Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and I think he's an important part of this team, and he's not a guy you want to let go, I think I'm okay going up to the $7.25 million on a long-term deal. Listen, this guy kills penalties, contributes on the power play, is a easily a point-of-game winger, and can play center if one of your big two goes down with an injury, which could certainly always happen. So I think you don't let this guy walk, and he's not even the guy I'd really play hardball with. You get this deal done. I think I'm comfortable with paying him. 7.25 is the outer marker. I'd be comfortable at 7. I'd love it anywhere in the 6s. Rick, what do you think? Huge. Let's talk about it. Yeah, you get something in the 6. I think you you walk away with a big win there. But like Tyler said, I was having this conversation earlier today, and I think I said 7 and a quarter is about, uh, about the most I'm going to go. And I honestly don't see him really shooting for much more than that anyways. And because, you know, if, you, if your ceiling is that close, I think we'll be able to... Uh, get underneath it somewhere see the same thing here um top end is seven a quarter i mean maybe you can talk me into seven and a half but um right around there is the most you can go but anything with a six yeah you, you're walking away with a huge one there i i think you're smiling and i i think that ryan nugent hopkins is going to is going to make make a smile with a six and a half kind of deal he just i think we can all kind of agree that he's like that guy that just puts the team first uh, on a lot of things. I think he sees that Connor McDavid left money on the table. Leon Dreisaitl obviously left money on the table. Like the, the, the core guys in this group are here to play and win. Um, and Nuge, you know, Nuge is just happy to be an Edmonton Oilers, which he, which he should be. And we're happy he is too. The one thing think- I'll say, it, it helps the Oilers that they can offer in that eighth year, I think. And that's where an AAV in the six is maybe more possible because if Nuge were to go to market, Teams can only offer him $7 million a season. You got to remember, he's 27 years old. This is going to be the last big contract he signs in his career. So 7 by 7 is $49 million. If you're doing an eight-year deal and Nuge wants to make $49 million, then that AAV is down at 6.1. So if the Oilers were to go to him at eight years times six and a half, that is substantially more money, or not substantially, but it is more money than he'd get from any other team, right? I'm definitely on board for eight years, by the way. Like I was me too. Yeah. That's that's exactly where you want to go. You want to walk this guy for the rest of it, you know, for pretty much the rest of his career. Especially and I, sorry. I don't see his body breaking down or his game breaking down the way you know the bigger bodies do, like the luchas or whatever the world. I think he can play this type of pace for many, many years to come. So I have no I have no fear of taking the thirty five. Yeah, and, and like with any free agent deal, because he is a UFA, you're worried about the back end of it, but I think Nugent Hopkins is the kind of guy like Look at Minnesota with Miko Koivu. Not that they're nearly the same type of player in terms of defensively and all that, but I still think Nugent Hopkins is a guy who, when he's 33, 34, 35, can be maybe like a Patrick Marlowe type. He does it all, both ends of the rink. You can throw him out in any sort of situation. He's not going to make mistakes, and he's still going to score you. You know, Maybe he's not quite over a point per game, but he'll still be in that range. And for the last three years of a big contract, I think you'd be okay with that. So I'm absolutely, if it's getting the AAV lower, 100% going eight years with the Nuge. Here's the thing about signing Nuge or not signing Nuge. If they don't sign Ryan Nugent Hopkins, then they're forever looking for a player who plays like Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Is there a winger out there available that'll be comparable money that's better than Nuge? I don't think so. Is there one that'll be better than Nuge that can also play center, like Tyler said, if need be? I just don't see it. So I would love Ryan Nugent Hopkins to be the first oiler to sign a deal that takes him from draft to retirement. I think that he's the kind of player that they need. He's a wonderful complimentary piece to Connor and Leon. Uh, he lift, He does a lot of heavy lifting in terms of defensive work, and I think he's earned it. Also, again, this is a guy who's been here since 2011, and if you're new to Oilers fandom, congratulations. You missed a lot of horrible years, and Nude <laughs> saw all of them. Yeah. You saw all of them, made no complaints ever, and always wanted to be here. So I don't think that that is a player that you should just discard easily, yeah. especially given how talented he is. And uh, you, you mentioned who else on the market, if you let him go, could you sign? Here are the pending UFA wingers that that are on the on the market next season when Nuge would also be a UFA. Ovechkin's up there. Okay, well, that's whatever. Bring him in! Brandon Saad <laughs> is another one. Brandon Saad's not as good as Nugent Hopkins. Nope. Uh, Alex Steen is 37 years old, not happening. Gabriel Landeskog, same age as Nugent Hopkins. I, I think Landeskog, like even him, like as much as you might think he's a better winger, 
The idea that Nuge can also play center so well, I think I'd still take Nuge over him. I'd take Nuge over Jaden Schwartz. I'd take him over Kyle Palmieri as well. So there, he would be the best winger, save Alex Ovechkin, who we know is just going to re-up in Washington. Nuge is probably the best winger on the market next year. And I would, also, up. I would also be shocked if Colorado doesn't re-sign yeah. Landis Gog as well. So, yeah. I mean, I, I just think it makes sense. Does anybody think it doesn't get done? I think they'll get it done. The fact that we're hearing about positive strides in the negotiation happening already, I think that means we're getting it. It'll get done. I was actually a little bit surprised that, it, obviously, I was super pumped. Rick tweeted me yesterday asking if I had saw it first thing in the morning. But, like, I was actually a little bit surprised that they've already gotten started on it. I didn't think that they would start talking until in season next year. But I'm super pumped that they're already going. And to me, that just means, like, both sides want to get this done. And I think for the say, Oilers, right? they want that cost certainty as quickly as they can, right? And and that's a big part of it, too. You don't want to be going through the next you know, month or so of the season potentially bringing in long-term solutions to your roster and going, oh boy, but I hope this Nugent Hopkins thing doesn't cost us a million more than we think it will. And same with, from Nugent Hopkins' perspective as well. Like, having this done now would give him, you know, the the stability in the rest of his career without having to worry about it in a contract year or whatever it is. And I know there are people, I've read it all over on Twitter, I was reading on The Nation yesterday, people that think that they shouldn't sign him until after the expansion draft. Well, that just doesn't make any sense. Why would New, like, from an Oilers perspective, yeah, that would be fucking rad. But, like, from player's perspective, why would he ever do that? Why would he just be like, okay, yeah, no problem. We'll just, you know. I'll just wait here and we'll have a handshake hoping that it gets done. Like, you know, this is a contact sport that they play. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. Why would he ever do that? Yeah. And I mean, if you were to get hurt or whatever or have a bad year, I'm sure that quote unquote handshake agreement would be crumpled up and thrown right out. And the other way around, if the Oilers and Nugent Hopkins said, okay, let's just wait till after the expansion draft to sign a deal or anything like that. And Nugent Hopkins went and scored like a hundred points next year. Do you not think he's going to sit there and go, uh, you know, <laughs> someone else is probably going to give me nine, so I'm out of here. Probably. Yeah, it's exactly. a business. Exactly. So I'm, I was super pumped about it. I can't wait for this to actually get done. Although the problem I said, and I tweeted it yesterday, I said it on this podcast, I don't know, real life. The day he signs his extension, I have to order three new nude jerseys, and that's going to cost me a pretty penny. So if you want to subscribe to my OnlyFans, I would appreciate it. Or I'll just take <laughs> cash donations. I will sell you pictures of my feet. Tyler buys them once a week. They are wonderful. Nope. <laughs> Changing gears. There's, this has been a very busy Oilers week. Yeah. Bad news, though, this time around. Oscar Clefbaum. This is a tricky situation. It is reported that he needs surgery. May miss an extended period, if not the whole season. Uh, we're going to get into Tom and Dusty talked about it a little bit more. But um, Did you say he needs surgery? Or he may need surgery. He may opt for surgery, I think yeah. is the right way to phrase it. Yes, thank you. That's what I think it is. So what I would say, but like, to me, doesn't that kind of imply that you need surgery? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. So either you're going to delay it or you're getting it. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's well, not, a, see, see, it's not an if, it's a when. We went through this with him, um, whatever, a couple of years ago when Larson said something about him not playing, right? I think he's just getting it. I think it's, you know, his shoulder's bugging him. Uh, I don't know how bad it is. Obviously, it's really hard for us to tell. I don't think he, you know, it was reported that he didn't really want to uh, come back and play in the uh, the play-ins, you know, for whatever reason. So maybe they're just, you know, some of the, that, for lack of a better term, heart or drive just wasn't quite there for him. So maybe that's where a little bit of a gap of his game was. You know, he just feels like maybe the shoulder played a bigger part. And once we get going here, you know, you got to get over those things. I'm just... But I mean, if you say, if you, I understand the positivity and you want to, and you want to, you want to hope for the best. But the reality is, is if, if surgery is on the table, there's an injury enough there that it's, Two words yes, you can, you. yes, you can play through it. Yes, Two you can play through you. it. Two words. You're looking at possible reaggravation. Chicken wings. Connor McDavid. Okay. He had surgery. <laughs> he had surgery right there and chose to go a different route, right? Yeah. But that's, but I mean, that's what I'm saying is if they're looking, it's not like, it's not like oh, Clefbaum is banged up, and you know he's 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 nursing some injuries. It's we're looking at possibly having surgery done, or if it's something that we can stretch out for a while. But like I don't know, it, to me it's just it's just another brick in the fucking wall for Ken Holland to have to deal with this off season. But it's uh, 
you know, it's, it's just as frustrating as anything else. But I, I think that it is a concern going forward because if he does play through it, again, you know, you're, you're looking at, at injuries that are just piling up and then all it of a sudden may, we're without actually, Oscar Clefbaum middle of the season and we have to make a panic move instead of a plan. It may actually not be anything either though, right? Like if his shoulder is bugging him, maybe it's not something that needs surgery. Maybe it's something that needs this, that, or the other thing. I don't so know. We don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't think surgery is as close to um, reality as it, as people make it sound. I just feel like it's a little bit of that telephone game where it kind of goes through one set of ears and one set of another set of ears and comes out a little more skewed than it than it actually is. I think that's where we now. Maybe that's just a little bit of me being naive and, and uh, being overly no, optimistic. No, you're you're optimistic. Things. That's not naive. Naive. Well, it's, whatever. It's yeah, optimistic. It's the same thing. Yeah, maybe I'm just being a little more optimistic. But um, I don't know. I just don't think it's quite. At the because if it, dude if it was the, if it was uh, surgery they would have jumped on something by now we would have heard about something they would have done something um, but if whispers, season starts today whispers, something season starts out. today we have Larson and Clefbaum both are question marks right so like that's that's top two defensemen top three defensemen depending on the conversation you're having with person uh, that are that are question marks already to start the season and I don't think we envision that changing much before a possible December start date or a January start date. So that's where it's, you know, it's, it's a scary thing. I, I, very, sorry, go ahead, I, I know you're being optimistic, but like, if you listen to Tom and Dusty talk about it on the oil stream, they were like, they weren't saying the word retirement, obviously, because I don't think anyone's willing to go there yet, but you tie in the fact that he's, his shoulder's been bugging him for a while. He's always had shoulder issues. Tie in the fact that it's believed they had to, you know, maybe not beg him to come back, but they had to convince him pretty yep. hard to come back to the bubble. I think this yep. is a guy who, like what we saw with Dustin Bufflin, I know there's a big age gap here, but like what we saw with Dustin Bufflin, sort of goes, man, I think I'm losing my love of coming to play this game, fucking up my shoulder, rehabbing it, coming back, fucking up my shoulder, rehabbing it. The, it, it, you talk, said if there's surgery, we would have heard something. They would have done something already. I think what's happening is he's sitting there going, I have to have another fucking surgery on my shoulder. I'm not sure if I want to do this, rehab it just to come back and fuck up my shoulder again. I, I, I just think it's, I don't, I don't know if I'm speaking out of place here, but I wouldn't be surprised if these nagging shoulder injuries are just kind of killing his love of the game a little bit. That's at least what I'm picking out of the 10 reports now we've gotten from different guys. And it sucks. Because, I mean, he's their best defenseman when he's healthy. But, like, I, I don't blame a guy for sitting there having to rehab all these injuries and at one point just going, maybe I just want to take a year off. Maybe I just want to sit for a year, decide in four months if I want the surgery or not, and I'll be back next season. It's yeah, tough, fair. too, right? Because, like, I mean, if he is thinking that way, like, I know Dusty and Tom danced around retirement, but if he is thinking that way, this is a guy who's, you know, he just turned 27. He's already got $22 million U.S. career earnings, according to Puckpedia.com. And maybe, like Tyler says, he's just he's fucking over it. it you, it's, it's interesting because lately, and I know NFL, NHL, obviously different, but like it, it reminds me of players shutting it down way earlier than you think they would because they're looking ahead at what their life is going to look like in the future. Maybe Oscar Clefbaum, again, we're just speculating. Nobody knows jack shit. We're just having fun here. Well, not fun, but you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. But maybe he's looking at the next 50 years of his life and saying, do I want to be able to lift my arm over my head? Yeah. I don't know. It sucks, though. And like Dan said, this is something Ken Holland did not need this offseason. Definitely makes a lot more sense about the OEL rumors that were going around uh, this past week. Um, and we're going to talk about some of those as well. But I just want to finish this off by saying the connection to OEL made a lot of sense. Tyler, yesterday came out, no EL, as you phrased it in the real life tweets. Yeah, no Oliver Ekman Larson. Apparently, he only put Vancouver and Boston on his list. Um, people were getting, there's a bunch of different ways we could go with this. Uh, first, I think I. Personally, the belief it's a little bit of a blessing when you look at what the Oilers were rumored to go. Great blessing. Yeah, when you look at what the Oilers were rumored to going to have to give up in a deal, like Bouchard and the first this year for Ekman Larson, who has a huge contract. I I was not a fan of making that move. I wasn't totally against it, but I didn't think it was a great trade by any means. But now you hear that Vancouver might have to give up like next year's first and Ollie Ulevi. Like, are you kidding me? That's not even in the same stratosphere. 
as Bouchard in this year's first. So um, I, I think it's a bit of a bullet dodge. Some people are, you know, doing the whole, oh, how come no one ever wants to come play in Edmonton? We have the two best players in the league and still no one wants to come play in our city. I just, I don't even read too much into that. I think Ekman Larson is, you know, he spent his entire career in Arizona already. You can see why a guy would love to play in Vancouver. Duh, it's a gorgeous city. You can see why a guy would want to go to Boston because they have a great team going there right now. So I'm not even too upset about like him saying no to Edmonton. To me, it's just like, whatever, the guy didn't want to come here. He also didn't want to come to 28 other cities around the league. So that's, like, that's the point I wanted to get to. That's yeah. the point I wanted to get to is like, Hey, he said no to Edmonton, but he also said no to everyone else outside of Boston and Vancouver. Like, well, and how can that guy do that? He's the guy. The guy backed the Brinks truck up, loaded it up, and now he's like, "Hey, I want out, and if I'm out, I want to go to these two spots." Well, he never asked he out. out. He never asked out. The Coyotes want to get I out think, from under that contract, and he's saying, "Well, reality. you're gonna." No, I think, I think the reality, reality is the Coyotes' new owner doesn't want to pay him fifty-six million dollars over the next eight years. But he he signed that contract. He knew the team that he was with. Like it wasn't like it's a you know it, again you can't you can't fault a player for taking that money. But at the same time, it's like, well, what what are you doing if you if you're listing two teams and that's it? Like I just no, I don't, I don't blame it. I mean, I get it. If the Coyotes the Coyotes signed him to that deal, he signed it thinking he was going to stay in the desert for his entire career. And now a year later, the Coyotes are going fuck. We have no money, or we're running low on money. We want to get some money out the door. And we aren't too sold on this contract anymore. And he's probably sitting there going, what the fuck are you guys doing? You just gave me all this money. So I don't blame him at all. I think I would list one team. Fuck. I would say, you know what? You come (laughs) when a team makes an offer and I'll tell you yes or no. I I think to Dan's point, like if it was OEL that requested the trade, which I don't think that's the case. I think it was Arizona. I think that no trade clauses should be waived. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I agree with that. But like this one, I agree with Tyler. I got to say, it's just like, they just signed him to this deal, and now he's kind of looking me like, well, what the fuck? Well, I'm going to pick where I go. It kind of reminds yeah. me of a different situation entirely because he asked for the trade. Remember when Marty St. Louis asked for the trade out of Tampa, and he only said the New York Rangers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, <laughs> I and Eisman was just supposed to be like, well, what am I supposed to do here? So it's going to be interesting. I think this is a blessing. I want to talk about a different defenseman that has reportedly come up on the rumor mill. Um that I would be way more interested in sending a larger package over. But first, I want to talk about our new friends that are our draft day sponsor at Prime Staffing. New friends. They are our draft content sponsor here at The Nation for the next couple of weeks. So we're going to discuss some draft profiles here. Prime Staffing is matching quality work with quality workers. They provide certified personnel with 24-7 dispatch for flexible deployment. Find quality work quality workers, whether temporary, part-time, or full-time. Learn more about Prime Staffing on their website, which is primestaffing.ca, or follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Gentlemen, the NHL draft, it's very, very weird this year. I'm still like, my timelines are all fucked up. It's weird that the draft is on Tuesday. We yeah. barely, like, we haven't really talked about We're into it, man. We're into the next season already. Let's go. We've had enough time off. Absolutely. I, so I'm pumped about it, but I want to look at five guys specifically that may fall within the Oilers range at 14, provided that they stick in that slot. Um, Tyler, I'm going to start with Seth Jarvis. You wrote about him. He had 42 goals, 56 assists, 98 points for the Portland Winterhawks this year. He's 5'10 center, right-handed. A lot to like about this player. What do, what do you, What's your vibe on him? Uh, yeah, there is a lot to like about Seth Jarvis, the Winnipeg native. So I have a sneaking suspicion, as do a lot of guys who put together mock drafts. I have a feeling he's not going to make it past the Winnipeg Jets at 10th overall. I think they could look at that and go, if we're trading line A now, we probably want to put a natural goal scorer right back in our system. So I feel like Jarvis is probably going to go before the Oilers have a chance to step up to the draft stage or, you know, turn on their mic on the draft zoom, whatever we're doing this year. Uh, but if, if Jarvis somehow falls to a man, natural goal scorer, elite abilities, he's got that, he's got that flair. He, he his game, like he he's dynamic. That's the word I'm looking for here. His shot, his skating, everything, his playmaking. He's he he would be, in my opinion, a top six goal scoring winger within two two three seasons. So if he falls to the Oilers, they should be all over Jarvis. It's one of those things where. You know, we talked about it just a couple weeks ago because the next one I want to talk about is Yaroslav Askarov. Um, 
but it's one of those things where obviously you take the best player available. That's the, that's the jam. And the guys that we're looking at right now are all forwards outside of Askarov. So having a guy who could pump in some goals, that would be very nice, which brings me to my next candidate, Jack Quinn, right winger, 52 goals for the Ottawa 67s last year, kind of erupted out of nowhere a little bit. He could be in there. He's actually who I believe Craig Button had the Oilers taking in his mock draft at TSN. Again, a goal scorer. He is a winger, obviously, and that's something that the Oilers desperately need. What do Dan or Rick, what are you guys thinking about maybe a Jack Quinn guy? He's pumping goals for their Ottawa, but maybe it was one of those seasons where, whoa, where did this guy come from? Well, he's only one of seven OHL players who have ever scored 50 goals in their uh, NHL draft year since the 2000s. So, so he, that's, that's pretty prestigious kind of, uh, kind of level there. I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, like you said, if we're not looking at a goalie, the, the options for scoring uh, from the forwards should be there at 14. It's pretty exciting to see that. And, and Seth, or sorry, Jack Quinn would be one of those, uh, one of those guys. Rick, what do you think? And do you like the idea of drafting a forward at 14? Somebody that can fill the net a little bit? 100%, man. Uh, I think that's exactly what we need to do. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try and lie to everybody and say, I know this and so much about these guys coming up. You know, I kind of get the chance to read what I can on the internet and it's about it and see whatever you get to see. But, you know, when they say it's a dynamic skater, you know, that's perfect. Let's see what you guys, you need someone like that to be able to hang out with, uh, with Connor. And uh, he's got that goal scoring abilities. And, dude, this is the type of player you need out there. This is what we wanted for Connor. Um, see how fast we can get him into town. And that's kind of the thing, too, with the draft, right? Is to me, especially now in the NHL these days, forwards tend to make the show a little bit more quick quickly than anybody else. And I think with the caliber of forwards that are kind of sitting around where the Oilers may slot in, that could be an option. My next one that I want to look at is Connor Zary, center, left-handed center, 38 goals, 48 assists, 86 points for the Kamloops. Blazers this past season, our friends at Elite Prospect, says it's Zary shot that leads the way. He's a deceptive trigger man, one with excellent shot placement, a deceptive release, and the ability to fire two-touch missiles on a moment's notice. His ability to collect difficult passes is a real difference maker. He doesn't often break stride to receive passes either, maintaining the pace of his team's attack. That sounds like a player who would look pretty good with another Connor that's on this team. Yeah, and today Tyler Wright, who's one of the Oilers' directors of scouting, was on with Stoff, and he said something along the lines of, we have a list of guys we like at 14, we have a list of guys we you know we have in case we trade up, and a list of guys in case we trade down. To me, Zari is the option where you maybe trade down five or six slots, you pick up a third-round pick in the process, and then you go take Connor Zari, but I agree. The fact that scouts are raving about his shot so much makes me really interested in him. I believe he played a lot of center in Kamloops. Um, I, I watched him a couple of times throughout the year. They rolled through and played the, or when they would play the Oil Kings. Um, so I, I'd be interested in Zari. I, I think it's a move down candidate, though. But that shot, you're right. It'd be tempting to see him next to Connor McDavid in a few seasons. Another move down uh, candidate, a little bit um, from what I'm reading, could be Dylan Holloway, played for the University of Wisconsin. This one's tricky to me. Maybe Tyler, you got a better idea, but like when you're picking somebody out of the Big Ten, it's hard to tell what you got. Obviously, none of us are scouts. The stats aren't exactly sexy. He had eight goals, nine assists, 17 points for the University of Wisconsin. But at the same point, that doesn't necessarily mean too much because he may not have been getting much playing time ahead of seniors and people ahead of him, right? Uh, again, going back to EP, Holloway consistently applies pressure on the back check, pickpockets, puck carriers, makes timely <laughs> hits wields a disruptive stick, you name it. He never flees the zone early and he's capable east-west attacker who shields the puck from opposing defenders very well. So he sounds like a little bit of a road dog there. Um, what do you what do you what, what do you make of having somebody who, you know, is projected to go in the first round? He's 19, he's a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe the stats aren't as sexy as something that you would be used to from a first round pick. Yeah, like I watched him. He was with the Okotoks Oilers in the AJHL. I, I watch a lot of AJHL hockey. Um, this is not the Dylan Holloway I saw in the AJHL. The Dylan Holloway in the AJHL was, you know, scoring two points a game and quite frankly running the show for Okotoks. Uh, this, this, he did score, I think, five goals in his last 10 games. So he started to get hot towards the end of the year with Wisconsin. But I don't necessarily... Out of the names we've talked about, 
he's the furthest thing from being a goal-scoring top-six winger. To me, he's either going to be a top-six winger who's the defensive conscious of a line, or he's going to be a really good third-line center for a team. So for that reason, I have him below Jack Quinn. I have him below Seth Jarvis easily. Him and Zari are more in that range. I think Holloway probably goes ahead of Zari, but for what the Oilers want and what the Oilers need, as much as I'd love to see him pick a good AJHL boy, I think I have Zari ahead of Holloway. Lastly, and this is the one where we're probably going to debate a little bit, who knows if he's actually going to be there mm-hmm. at number 14, but Yaroslav Askarov is the guy everyone's talking about. He's the next Vasilevsky, according to people that have watched him play. Again, back to EP. What really makes him stand out is the way he utilizes a range of depth management to effectively make the most of his wide stance and fluid movements. He has incredible reaction speed and does a good job of controlling himself within the blue paint when he needs to. He's difficult to pull out of position by holding sustained pressure on his team's end of the ice. He could be elite. Could be, is the question when it comes to drafting a goalie that high. Tyler, you were open to it. Yeah, and here's what I'll say. I think only one of Jarvis, Quinn, or Askarov are going to be there at 14. There's a chance none of them are, but I think only one of them, if any, are going to be available in that spot. I take Yaroslav Askarov if he's there. I don't think he's going to be there. So for me, I'm not even paying too much attention to him anymore. I think he's going in that 10, 11, 12 range, maybe even sooner, as we've heard some teams you know, might be inclined to take a top 10 pick and and scoop him up since he has that elite potential. So for the Oilers, I think the focus and the talk should be around which scoring winger. I think it's going to be Jack Quinn. I don't think Askrov's even going to be there. What if he is and either Jarvis or Quinn are there? Yeah, yeah, let's just just say they're both there somehow. Who are you picking? Are Are you taking one of the four or are you taking the goalie? Man, if the goalie's still there, there's a part of me that wonders if a team would be really itching to trade up to 14 to take him, and then I might trade down and just take Connor Zari. Um, but if I had to pick between Askarov or Quinn, yeah. I think I would take Askarov. The elite potential is just too much for me to ignore. I think by you're taking a huge risk, but I think there would be a chance that in five, six, seven years, Askarov's a Vesna candidate. I can't see a scenario where Jack Quinn's one of the best goal scorers in the league. So I think I go with Askarov. This is the gambler in you, Tyler. And it is, man. It's the gambler in me. But like, can you, we just saw it with Tampa Bay. Like, can you imagine this team if they had a Carter Hart-esque goaltender between the pipes? Like, it's, it's franchise changing. Exactly and it. I don't think Jack Quinn's franchise changing. That's the thing right there is you nail it on the head, Tyler. If you if you draft Askarov, if he's in that position, again, I'm with you. I don't think that he's going to fall to 14. But you have the opportunity to just not have to worry about goalie for four or five years. You don't even have to think about, you know, the next time an Askarov comes around to your pick, you don't even have to look at it because it's because you have a guy in your system that has, we just haven't had it. Can, can it like, what's the last time we had a, a top prospect goaltender that we were just like, okay, you know, three years out, we're gonna be we're gonna be just fine for goalies. It just doesn't happen. So like like when you can look at your organizational needs and just absolutely cross off goalie as a thing that you need anymore, I, I don't I don't see how you don't make that pick. Well you can cross off pretty much top six forwards and if you pick or pick up one of those kids too though, right? Well, but that's uh, but like you need multiple. You need multiple. You're gonna have you're gonna have Leon, find you're gonna some have kids Connor, in the later draft. You're gonna have Yam. Then you're gonna let's call one of these kids, whichever one you know, Jarvis or Quinn. That's five out of six. And at that point, you know, no man, you did, what's this need? This team needs more wingers all the time. That, yeah, fair that, enough. Your but, system, your system needs to be fed with that stuff. So that's where you use the rest of your picks to try and fill, to try and find those diamonds in the rough in the second. Well, not the second round, obviously, but. But like later on in the draft and in other drafts, if you if you have Askarov next year, you're not thinking about a goalie in their first round pick. And what I'll like, I I think if you had to go right now and enter the free agent market or the trade market, and your options were I need to find a winger who can score twenty to thirty with Connor McDavid or a bona fide starting goaltender, you know you'd have an easier time finding the winger than the bona fide starting goaltender. Well, you're paying seven million dollars for or a it's that too, right? Like. Too. You can go get Mark Strom, but he's going to cost you $7.5 million a season, and that's very tough to do. The opportunity to 
not only draft Askarov and potentially one day have that starting goaltender, but to like, I'm going way down the road here, but you play it right after his ELC, you give him a nice long-term deal for like six mil a season and your stud goalie is under contract for, you know, close to a decade on a good contract. Like the opportunity to do that here, like I said, it's franchise changing. And as much as I love Jarvis and I love Jack Quinn, and I think they will be impact top six scorers, they're not franchise changers. I, I mean, like to be honest, I've warmed up a lot to the idea of tra- uh, drafting Askarov, provided he is there. Um, you know, I've been hurt before in the NHL draft, so I just assume it's not going to be an option. I think he's probably going to go. He's gone. Right? He's not gonna be we need we need to go for, we need to go forward here. I think we need, we need that. I don't think we have an, I don't think we have an option. That's the thing. We keep, yeah. I mean, I think like we, we have that. You can't we hover have, over that at all, right? Because we have the goalie Ashcroft in, in Russia right now. Connor Valov is not on that level. That would be no, but he, no. He, that's he may not be on that level right now. He may never even get to that level. But if you had a second uh, a second level goalie and an incredible in, top six, and Rick, incredible top six um, offense, I think you, I think you're just fine there. You, but saying, you pencil in a blue chip prospect there, and yeah. then all of a sudden, whether Konolov turns out to be or not doesn't matter. It Rick, doesn't matter at that point, and he's a trade chip. You can sit there and say, oh, we have Konovalov, so we don't need Askarov. I'll sit there and say, we have Lavoie, so we don't need Jack Quinn. Like, that's what the comparison is. No, and that's, and that's fair there, but I mean, you're going to need a lot more forwards than you goaltenders. The good news is You need is goalie that more, though, than you need a winger right now. This franchise definitely needs a goaltender. Um, and, you know, degenerate bag milk starting to get that itch on the gamble, you know what I mean? If he's <laughs> there, if he's there, you kind of want you know, um, but the good news is today is Friday afternoon. As we record this, we are only a few days away from finding out. First round of the NHL draft is happening on Tuesday. We will have plenty more draft coverage going through the weekend and into the early week, as well as I'll be running a live blog on Tuesday just to get everybody chatting, everybody talking. It's going to be interesting. I think uh, before we move away from the draft boys, do you think it's going to be more uh, busier than normal in terms of player trades and activity, I think that this is going to be one of the more interesting drafts to watch in terms of actual trades happening. Well, how bad did the NHL screw this one up that they didn't just put all the GMs in quarantine together for two weeks and then run a draft <laughs> in person and like make them have to deal with each other for two weeks? Like, it, 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 it's <laughs> the deal would have been amazing. They talk, on like, the phone. Just they talk been, on the phone anyways. You just put them on the ice and you give them... Turn like it into some... a reality show. Put some cameras in the rooms. Yeah, you know, you put like they uh, can't make um, a deal face to face. They can't. Cubicles. They have to look at each other through a wall. So you got love is blind there. You guys, you, I don't know. Like it was just it, like I'd love to see the draft. I know it's going to be a Zoom draft. But. Make them sleep in bunks, like yes. four yes. GMs a room. I love to see big brothers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, you got yeah, yeah. you got the have not room. There's GMs that are in and out. Like ah, oh, the NHL call us. We got some marketing ideas. The um, NHL needs our ideas. Dan, I love this idea. They should have locked all the GMs in a room or some hotel somewhere. That would have been hilarious. Because then, they could have had, then we could have had an actual draft, too. You could have had the Brian Burke telling telling uh, Brian Murray that he's taking Kadri because he wanted him kind of moments. Like, it would have been amazing. But back to the question, do you guys think it's going to be busier than normal in terms of player movement? I personally do. The offseason, oh, yeah. And it'll, it'll definitely feel that way, too, because it's going to be more condensed. So it's going to happen uh, a lot more... Uh, all at once rather than spread out over the time. I've been hurt too many times with that talk. <laughs> the expansion, the year before the expansion draft, it was like, oh man, every team is worried about that expansion draft. More big players will be moved than ever before. And then it was the expansion draft year and everyone's like, oh man, get ready. This expansion draft, it's the big one. There's going to be star players going left and then nothing really happened. And now we get this year, and I know you know haven't seen a global pandemic in quite some time, so maybe this is finally the off season <laughs> where where you, not since the draft after the Spanish flu. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe this is the off season where we see, see some big names go. But Frank Saravalli talked about this on uh, Thursday on the lowdown, and he kind of said like you know there are GMs who say you won't believe the amount of franchise altering players who are being talked about right now. It's crazy. Never seen anything like it. But Frank kind of went, and he didn't say this exactly, but he was kind of like, you know, teams don't have a lot of money, though. Money has, to, money has to move in, in order for star players to move. And do teams what? have the ability to, like, you might sit there and go, man, we want all, like, the Canucks. We want Oliver ekman Larson. We want him real bad, but we can't make the money work. And, and that's going to kill it. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we're going to see a lot of movement because I love that shit. I live for it. But I'm worried that the money and the flat cap is just going to be, it's just going to stop it. 
that's my prediction is that day two of the draft, I'm assuming they're still doing a day two of the draft, uh, you know, rounds two to six. I think you're going to, that's when you're going to see some moves happen where it's money for picks and it's just going to be the, it's going to be the transactional kind of, kind of moves where, where teams are going to move up in the draft because they're taking on Chris Russell's contractor or whatever have you like that kind of, that kind of stuff. Cause I mean, like you hear today, I don't, I don't remember who I read it from, but the Jim Benning has called literally every team trying to move money around. Like, I think that you're going to see some, some tick, ticky tacky kind of, um, kind of money strategy moves on the second day of the draft. Dan, my money strategy move on a Friday afternoon is to head on over to skipthedishes.ca and order myself something to eat. I'm eyeballing this one pound roast beef and cheddar from Arby's. And if I put in an order over 20 bucks, that is free delivery to your friend Bag Milk. And that is all courtesy of skipthedishes.ca. And I will tip my driver and I will enjoy my one pound roast beef and cheddar. Tyler, you're shaking your head at me. I don't appreciate you denying my love of roast beef and cheddar especially from our friends at Skip the Dishes, considering they want to bring it right to my door and I don't even have to put pants on if I don't want to. I ordered Arby's from Skip yesterday. See? Wasn't even thinking of that, but See? yes, I did. About a year ago or so, we were like, we were campaigning to get Arby's on Skip the Dishes. Mm-hmm. They are now there. And that's why we go to skipthedishes.ca. We don't have to leave and we get something delicious to eat. Costco hot dogs, you're up next. Bring them in. Yeah. Uh, before we started talking draft, I did want to talk about a rumor that's coming up on the internet today. I don't know why, but I like it. Sergachev from Tampa Bay is quote unquote available? Question mark. Well, we were talking about making a trade package for OEL. This is a guy that I would legitimately put a trade package together for. Yeah, I'm with He's you on that. Young can grow with the team. He's an offensive-minded defenseman. Just got a fresh cup ring that's going to be going on his finger. He would look mighty fine filling in on the Oilers' blue line. Tyler, I saw your tweet. You would trade the first-round pick this year if it meant bringing in Sergachev, yes? Yeah, I'd trade, I would trade 14. Like it, Again, the big asterisk here is going to be on uh, on what you think the contract would look like for Sergachev. But and, and you have to get rid of Russell because you got to be able to afford to sign Sergachev after. Yep. So those two yep. dominoes, if they fall, if you can make the money work, I trade 14 and Bouchard for Mikhail Sergachev. I I just think proven himself now, you can get him locked up. He can do a ton for you and he can grow with the team. It's a no-brainer. But Bouch over, uh, over Broberg? Well, uh, so the reason that's a tough decision for me and weird, like this comes back to Clefbaum in a way, because on the left side, you have Nurse and you have Clefbaum. On the right side right now, you have Bear coming up. Jones can play either side, probably better on the right side. And Sergachev's a lefty. So maybe I would prefer to move... Yeah, maybe I would prefer to move uh, Broberg in that deal. Broberg might have better trade value too. And I just think that like the Oilers are stocked more so on the yeah. HD side than they are on the right-hand mm-hmm. side. So I would be really, really hesitant about moving Bouchard. He was like ripping up the AHL in terms of points last year, and that one would make me very nervous. Yeah. and uh, you know, I, But I mean, if you're bringing in a player of Sergeyev's caliber, I mean, like, I don't think any of us are are dying if, if it's Broberg or, or Bouchard at all. Myself. No. It's only one of those things where is that hindsight would make you uh, second guess it, right? It's maybe yeah. the guy who traded turned into, you know, whatever. He's better than Sergeyev. And maybe one day we'd sit there and look back and go, ah, shit. But I think going forward, I we'd probably win that trade for a couple of years at the very least. I uh, I actually, I wonder what Tampa Bay would want for him. Because is Tampa in a spot, considering their salary cap, where maybe they would want quantity over quality in a way? Like if Edmonton... Yeah, they couldn't bring back a big deal. They Well, yeah, they couldn't bring back a big deal. But like if you went, hey... We could give you Broberg and 14, or would you be interested in Caleb Jones and Yesa Puljujarvi, who the Lightning, who I believe had interest in Puljujarvi when the Oilers were first looking at moving him, could sit there and go, you know what? That's a skill guy. Maybe we put him with a good center on our third line, and that works. And then maybe they look at Jones and go, two more years at 800K for a guy who's already good enough to play in our top six. Sign us up for that too, right? Like, you got to remember, they're going to be looking to repeat, and they're going to be looking to save money. So in that sense, like, Maybe there's a deal for him where you don't have to give up one of your big two blue chip prospects. 
I mean, it's going to be interesting. The fact that he, he's even reportedly available, yeah. I find Crazy. to be super interesting. Uh, very, very good defenseman. That was, I, I mean, in the Puliarvi draft, I remember a lot of people talking about how the Oilers should pick him up um, with the fourth overall pick. They wanted but, to. That was their plan before Columbus went off the board. So Columbus. Maybe it's time to right a wrong here. Maybe it's time to bring in our defenseman that would you know, he would put up some points on the back end and he would offer a flavor that the Oilers just don't have back there. Yet. 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 We'll see. We'll see. Uh, you mentioned Jesse Pugliarvi. Looks like that deal is going to happen sooner than later. Maybe? With a max looking like a $1.5 million contract. Anybody think that's too much? Not enough? What are you guys thinking about Jesse? No, I think that's pretty much right where... Right where you can expect him to be signing, I, I still thought, you know, I still would try to get him to a two, just to maybe take uh, some of the stress off. But uh, one point two, one point five—that's pretty much where I thought he was going to get it. Dan, yeah, I, I think that one point five was kind of the the ceiling for me. So, I mean, that's that's pretty much what you what you can hope for. Um, obviously, the guy's not going to come back and play for peanuts, so so you understand it but uh yeah i, I mean one year is good too right give him a, give him a chance to show his stuff and and show his commitment to the nhl and and hopefully uh hopefully we have a hell of a winger to me the funny thing is just that we're still talking about this yeah. it's been going on forever forever i remember we were doing this podcast probably like 6 or 7 months ago and tyler's just like i don't want to talk about jesse puliarvi <laughs> here we, no, we are. named it the no jesse puliarvi episode but here we are uh, another thing of note, uh, again, Frank Saravalli, he's basically generating all our content these days. Oilers have a little bit of interest in Peter Morazic as a plan B. Or no, that was uh, sorry, this is Pierre Lebrun said yeah. this. Oilers have interest in Peter Morazic as a plan B, provided that they can't find a bigger upgrade elsewhere. Makes sense. Holland's familiar with Morazic from his time in Detroit. I got to say, though, and tell me if I'm wrong, Landing with Peter Morazic with all of the goaltenders that are available right now would almost be disappointing to me. I don't think he's plan A, though. Like, I don't think Morazic's plan A. He's a guy, one more year, 3.2 million. I think there's a situation where you're either getting the Hurricanes to take a, D, a contract back, or you might even be able to get them to keep like a million bucks of this thing, and you're probably getting him for cheap. He's probably not costing you more than a draft pick. And he didn't have a great year in 1920, 2.69 goals against. 905 save percentage, but in 2018-2019, 2.39 goals against and a 914 save percentage. I I like him. I do. I He's not plan A. I'd like to see them swing a little bit bigger, maybe get a guy who can grow with this team a little bit more and has a bit more upside is how I should say it. But hey, Mrazic's 34. Holland's familiar with him. I think he wouldn't cost a lot salary or acquisition-wise. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. It's just like, I feel like, I don't know if there's going to be a better opportunity to find yeah. a goaltender than this year. So I just, I don't know. Like, like you said, it's a plan B option. You circle back on Morazic, but like, I just can't help but feel like, man, it'd be great to see the Oilers get a goaltender who could be here for a while. Not necessarily a, a stopgap, especially when there's so many good ones available. When's the next time this is going to happen in terms of just quality of goaltending that is out there? I'm not saying go to sign Markstrom for seven or whatever he's going to get. That's too much money. But, like, I don't know. If you, I, I still can't take my mind off the Columbus Blue Jackets. They yeah. need to trade one of those guys. Yep. The expansion draft's coming up, and you're going to lose one for free otherwise. Yeah, that's it. I, I'm, I, that's my number one goal, I think, is to try and figure out how to get one of those guys over there. Um, Razik does. I don't know what it feels like a plan B. I feel like that should be like a plan you know, way way down the list there. I get it. You can't get one of these four or five guys, then you got to move to Plan B, and that's you know the secondary stopgap kind of guys. And I don't even know if he's in the if he's in the top rank of the of the stop top stopgap guys either. But uh, yeah, he is a quality goaltender. Not a great year last year apparently, but uh, I think for me, I'm holding my breath on a bigger, better name, perhaps a, a higher ceiling type of a situation. Dan, wrap this up, Amarada. There we go. Figuring out the mute button for the first time. Uh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know if he's necessarily the the sexiest name out there, but but you're not you're not upset if that's your tandem of Koskinen and Morazic. It's you know, I put him before Smith, and and Smith to me is option number C. So 
Right. Or no, option number Z. He feels like a safe play. Like, I think Morazic is just putting it in the middle of the fairway. You're not doing anything too crazy. He's probably going to be able to give you 35, 40 honest starts next year. I don't hate it. Makes a lot more sense, too, if, like, again, we're going back to our draft talk. If the Oilers can land a Askarov, then all of a sudden stopgap goaltending makes a little bit more sense while they wait for the goaltender of the future. Again, provided he's there. Don't think he will be, but whatever. Uh, another thing, housekeeping. We got our first look at what next season may look like. This time it was Frank Saraval. He said the hybrid bubble concept would include a rotation of two weeks in the bubble, followed by one week at home where players can regroup with their families, then rotating back for another two weeks, and so on. The thinking is that each team would be able to play approximately 12 games per month, which is doable given that there would be no travel between games other than flying in and out of the hub city. Also talked about something I've been pumping on this podcast for a while now, a potential all-Canadian division because we don't know what's going on with the border. What does everybody think about this kind of Fort Mac camp-style bubble concept that the NHL is kind of playing with in terms of an option for next season? What exactly is it? How many bubbles have we got? Probably he's like playing four. like Edmonton and Toronto. He's four playing. would be the number that would make sense. Yeah, it looks, like, at least. looks like four. So you'd fly into your bubble for two weeks, play a bunch of games, fly out for a week, fly it, and then you know keep doing that all year? Yep. And yep. now you guys travel. Do you stay in the same bubble? Like No, I think you'd go home and then potentially go back to a new bubble. Yeah. Or yeah, like they'd, they'd mix the up team the teams, throughout. right? So like yeah. the West, it'd probably be like, hey, you play in your division once, then there's like a hybrid bubble. And then another, probably another week of hybrid bubble, but still in your conference. And like once where you go to a different division in the East and you just work a cycle that around make, it like that. Would that not make, uh, you can't like cycle the teams though, right? Because wouldn't that not make you um, uh, like a week off TV? Like, is there a way to stagger the these... East and West maybe? And you say you don't play a team in the other conference all year. That'd work. Yeah, I mean, I just, like that's what the QMJHL is doing. They've returned yeah. with uh, with six divisions that are, or not six divisions. Yeah, I guess it is six divisions with six teams in each division, and they're just playing each other for the entire season. So that kind of minimizes it. I guess I just don't get the idea of two weeks in the bubble and then a week out. Like the whole idea of the bubble, I thought was to avoid extra infection. So, but so now, why are they? I think they have to. Extra week. They have to come up with about them. the. Because the biggest complaint about the bubble is not being was being stuck in the bubble, so they want they don't. I don't think they actually want to do bubbles. This is just like uh, if we have to do the bubbles, what's the best way they want to get out and go and go back home and stuff? Well, because I mean, if because we we talked about it at the start of the NFL season, where we said you know the, the NFL is going to be a good test for for this kind of setup, and we're now in week four, correct? Yes, week four. And we have our first postponements of games due to COVID. Um, that's so not bad, uh, though. I, I don't think I'm not taking that as a huge. Well, but trail. that's that's my thing. Is it's like why are we? I don't know. I guess for me, it's like why are we risking these guys possibly possibly their futures? Um, because they're got to for the We got to get out there and start the, making money again as a business. But I guess my thing with the bubble is why don't you just have the bubble be three weeks or four weeks at a time and then have a week off or two with your family? Because then at least you're smashing in some games. You're not you're 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 lowering the risk of of a spread by playing a very physical game. Like I I, I don't know. I just when like, I heard the two weeks on and week off, I was just kind of mystified. The tough part too, like when you look at the NFL and they're doing travel all over the place, but you travel once a week. With Major League Baseball, these teams are playing three, sometimes four game series. You're traveling once, maybe twice a week if you're not on a homestand. When it comes to hockey, like. You can't sit there and have these guys go in different city, different hotel every single night. Like that's where I think the NHL is at a bit of a disadvantage when it comes to how to put forth next regular season. And I think the hybrid bubble might just have to be what they do. I know I've heard they're really against it because they feel like they need ticket revenue. They really need to get bums in the seats to to make next season worth it and to get some money flowing back into the league. But the hybrid bubble might just have to work, whether it's two or three weeks at a time. Like I don't think three weeks is even that bad if you're getting 10 days after to go play to, to go see your family and then it's 21 to 24 days to play hockey. You can jam 13, 14 games in 24 days in a bubble. You go home for 10 days. You know, even if the first seven days the players aren't practicing or anything and then you come back, it's a couple days of practice to get off to speed and then out to the next bubble. 
I, I think that might be the way it has to be done considering the way the NHL schedule kind of works. Just to finish this off, Saravalli continued on. His article says the plan would be to start the season in hybrid bubbles and then progress to teams hosting games in their home arenas and cities with limited capacity before hopefully ramping up closer to full capacity in time for the playoffs. I mean, that's a that's a bold dream, but we'll see. Uh, the format of the 2021 season hinges largely on how the science and local health authority regulations that evolve over the next few months and the calendar turns. So the NHL clearly looking at the NFL and being like, well, how can we get some people in some buildings here too? So it's going to be interesting, man. Just like when we were trying to figure out the return to play for the actual playoffs, I think this is going to be an evolving process, very liquid and fluid, and just it's going to we're going to have to see it as it comes. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear nothing, 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 and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's a Tuesday, and we've got a plan in place for what the season's going to look like, and the boys are expected to fly back home like anytime soon. Well, that's so, kind of what it was the last time, right? Like we had the we had nothing, 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 and then it was Vancouver or sorry, Vegas and Toronto. No, Vegas and Vancouver, Vegas, Vancouver and then yeah. it was. And then it was Vancouver, Toronto, and then it was Vancouver or Edmonton and Toronto, and that was it. It was like a, over like three day span. So you're probably right. So we'll see what happens. I mean, like guessing today on Friday, October second, probably doesn't make any sense because I imagine this is going to change a thousand times before the season actually kicks off in late December or early January, whenever that happens. But we'll see. Tyler, it is time for you to get your buttons ready, my friend, because we are looking at the Oodle Noodle Hot and Cold Performers of the Week. Head on into Oodle Noodle, any of their 14 locations around the city for a takeout or curbside pickup order, and they will be donating 10% of those orders to local charities and initiatives. This week, They are their charity partner is the Bissell Center. Uh, they just loaded a video about Jay checking in, doing a little bit of cooking. At the Bissell Center, it is on Twitter at Oodle underscore Noodle or on Instagram at Oodle Noodle Gram. Check them out, get something to eat, and know that you are doing your part to help a local charity or initiative. Uh, gentlemen, we're going to start with our veggies this week, as we always do. It is time for our Oodle Noodle Cold Performer of the Week, Mr. Nation Dan. I am looking at your roof, and I'm looking at you for your answer on your Cold Performer of the Week. Well, thank you for letting me start Bag Milk because You're I welcome. got some stuff to say. And it's, I'm calling out two provinces specifically, Quebec and Ontario. This week, if you haven't been following uh, hockey fights on any of the social medias, uh, Quebec's government dangled $20 million in front of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And Ontario's government is talking about not letting the league, uh, the OHL, return unless they follow Ontario's rules of no fighting and no hitting. But the Quebec League um, instituted a new rule this week at the behest of the Quebec government uh, to add a 10-minute misconduct to anybody that gets a fight in a fight. And if you have three fights, you're suspended immediately. And so effectively removing fighting from the game, uh, again, like I said on hockey fights, at the tip of a barrel of a shotgun and using a pandemic uh, to do so is trashy, in my opinion. And uh, so Quebec and Ontario, you get my cold performer of the week and screw you guys. They are just fucking ass right now. <laughs> Rick, your Oodle Noodle Cold Performer of the Week. Well, I got to say, guys, uh, I'm in a pretty good mood. It's sunny outside. It's it gorgeous. Is. I love Lovely. it. So I can't say I'm too, I'm not feeling too down, too negative about anything. So I don't know. I, I'm having an issue coming up with a cold performer here. So I'm just going to go and take an easy reach of this one. Just say politics in general. Um. Yeah, that shit just kind of annoys me. That's uh, for, for real though. It's it, there's nothing to be worried about right now. We got a we got a good world right now. I have two of them, so uh, maybe I'll dip into Rick's here. I'll take Rick's. Yeah, please, yeah, yeah. You take mine. <laughs> um. Yeah. I'll go, Rick. I'm not even giving you a button for that one. I'm just gonna. Move right. I don't want a button. <laughs> I don't want. You have to go lucky. I've been thinking. Yeah, I got nothing bad to say about anybody right now. Tyler, your oodle noodle co performer of the week. I'm gonna go with this one, the new Vegas jersey. It's terrible. God damn it! Oh, okay, no, then I'll go with a different one. Tampa Bay Stanley <laughs> Cup celebrations. There's a middle. There's a freaking pandemic going on, and these guys are having fans line up to drink out of the cup. Killorn goes on stage and thanks them for opening everything up so they can go party. They're you know hugging fans. Like there was a point where a random fan was drinking out of the cup, and then there's a photo of Blake Coleman putting his baby in the Stanley Cup. There is a pandemic going on here, people, and I know you want to celebrate your Stanley Cup win, but holding rallies with thousands and thousands of people is just not smart. So the Tampa Bay Lightning, 
you get my cold performer of the week. And since I stole it, my oodle noodle cold performer of the week is the Vegas Golden Knights new jerseys that just dropped today. They are, in my opinion, in the running for the worst jerseys in the NHL. They look like French's Dijon mustard bottles, and I don't understand it. And I get that it's Vegas and that there's casinos and there's gambling and blah, blah, blah. But like, let's get over it. The gold thing, I don't know. It looks like piss jerseys. They look like Nashville Predators jerseys, and I hate those two, and I hate these, and I can't believe you're putting these on sale and expecting people to actually wear them in public. Vegas Golden Knights, your new jerseys, are my cold performer of the week. What the hell is going on? Exactly. I do think that they will look good on the ice. I think that, that I don't. it's one of those situations where the light, it's like when people used to shit on them for their white gloves and their gold on their gloves. Like I think it, I think it'll look good on the ice. They're terrible. No point. I'm reserving judgment. Isn't it? Aren't they like, aren't they like gold sequins? <laughs> yeah, they, it's, it's, like like the, a, it's not even enough it's black like, colors. Sparkle, it's the same sparkle. font that they have. They used to have, or they have on their like original jerseys on their arm bars. Yeah, so they look kind of like, like a design. That looks kind of weird. They're just weird to me. I, I dislike them. <laughs> I, I dislike gloves, them. Though. Yeah, the white gloves kind of grown on me a little bit. Uh, actually, you know what? That's that's Sergey Fedorov in the 90s. It's funny you say that because I was posting something on Instagram for Wings Nation the other day on uh, Throwback Thursday, and I threw up Fedorov in those sweet white Nike skates that he used to rock all the time. Those those. were the best. I had a pair. They were the best. They weighed 9,000 pounds, though, but you know, they looked good. Everything did. Flipping the ledger, it is time for our hot performers of the week and i'm going to start with rick because he really mailed in the cold performer of the week <laughs> mr rick your oodle noodle hot performer of the week well in, in a bit of a sad way because it's over now but i'm going to give it to the toronto blue jays we've had a real good uh a surprising baseball season you know it didn't end the way we wanted it to we probably would have wanted a winner or two and maybe you get get out of this uh this round but all in all i think they had a really good season they have a big up end and i think everyone's excited to to see that organization organization keep growing. I like this right here. Tyler, you're a Blue Jays guy. You love that too. Oh, uh, yeah. Dan, your Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week, my friend. Well, it's a bit of a retraction for me uh, in the sense <laughs> that uh, last week I, I listed him as my Cold Performer of the Week, but it's our mystery guest who did get back to me and has, oh, yeah. for now, postponed. Uh, the team that he is with <laughs> currently said no. So we, uh, but he did Boom. say that as soon as, as soon as that's done, as soon as he's not under their guys, then Ooh, he'll, uh, are you he'll breaking be some news? Show. Are you breaking some news here? Is he I'm not going to say. Yeah, I'm not not resigning. Is he I'm not, not resigning the with the team? No, I'm not going to say anything about that. <laughs> but that he did. He did. He did leave the door open to come on the show. So I won't pan him again. So if anyone can figure out who we're talking about, you know, he's probably not going to be with his current team next year. Yep. Who could it be? <laughs> Who could it be? Mr. Yurinchuk, your oodle noodle hot performer of the week. I didn't give uh, Dan a button. Yeah! There you go. Uh, my hot performer <laughs> of the week. I love having meaningful afternoon sports on the TV. I wish every league would do what baseball does. Like I love during the NHL bubble when you'd get home. I'd get home from work because I have a job that allows me to get home from work at 1215. I'd get home, (laughs) throw on a nice hockey game, do my blogging. It was a great time. Basketball in the afternoon. Loved it. There's playoff baseball on my TV right now. And as a big baseball guy, I am loving it. I think leagues should always be scheduling their games to have at least one on (laughs) in the afternoon because I like sitting on my couch and watching sports while it's still, while the sun is still shining outside. Meaningful afternoon sports. You get my hot performer of the week. Cash money. With these mini oh, NHL, with these NHL bubbles, with these NHL bubbles, they may be forced to play a couple day games in there throughout great, the regular season. Great. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, like for all of us, yeah, that are sitting here at two ten on a Friday afternoon <laughs> from our houses. Yeah, it's great. I would love to watch TV. Uh, my oodle noodle hot performer of the week. No surprise here. Contract extension starting with my boy Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I didn't expect it to happen this soon, but I was very very happy to see these tweets going out that they are making some forward progress. My hot performer of the week is both the Edmonton Oilers and Ryan Nugent Hopkins camp coming together to start the process on an extension that will hopefully keep Nuge forever. Put some respect on my name. Gentlemen, with that out of the way, this is a wrap on Oilers Nation Radio episode 106. 
I want to thank our friends at Sherwood Ford, the giant, Skip the Dishes, Prime Staffing, and Oodle Noodle for making this all possible. And all of you for listening. I know I did get some uh, some DMs on Instagram asking questions for this week. I'm going to hold those over for next week. Please send me your messages. I'll read them on the podcast. Answer this week's Sherwood Ford giant question. How much should the Oilers give to Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Slide into my DMs or hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at ON Radio Podcast. Please keep telling your friends. Please keep listening. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I have not seen any of them. Where are you? With that said, I beg note for Tyler Remchuk, Rick, and Nation Dan. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. Shout out, Damien. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 